0: Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org there's also our church app which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app so thanks again for joining us this week and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you well we're going to be uh next sunday i'm going to start a mini-series called uh i am bayshore but today uh Next Sunday's a uh, series, many series is about our vision and what we're about. Uh, today we we're going to uh, look at the Book of Acts as we've been studying the Book of Acts, and uh, we are going to look at uh, Acts chapter thirteen. And Acts chapter thirteen is the. Uh, We're going to look at the second part of Acts chapter 13. The last time we did our talk, we were at the first part of Acts chapter 13, and Paul had just began his first missionary journey, three missionary journeys that Paul had, and this is uh, just sort of the front end of his missionary journey. He started out on the island of Cyprus, and then he uh, moved into the uh, Asia Minor and all that. So we'll talk about that real quickly. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verses uh, 13, and we'll read some of these verses, and we'll skip around a little bit, Uh, beginning in Acts. 13, uh, thirteen. From Paphos, that's the, that's, uh, the capital, of the island of, of uh, Cyprus. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went to, on to Basidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power and led them out of the country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to the people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything uh, I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism and the, uh, all the people of Israel. And John was com- as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am unworthy to tie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out what was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now witnesses to our people. And then we're going to skip down uh, to, uh, to verse number uh, 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul and Barnabas and heat abuse on them. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we will now turn to the Gentiles. Well, this is a a really great, great uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, I didn't read all of it, but uh, Acts chapter 13 gives Paul's first message. That he preaches, he preaches three messages in the Book of Acts. We have uh, in the early part of the Book of Acts, we have Peter's messages, his sermons, and then we have three sermons by Paul. And in Paul's message here, let me just give you a, a, like a, a, a summary of what he preached. Here's, here was what his message: He preached that David, was, or that that Jesus was the Son of David, in Second Samuel chapter seven, as David is getting old, King David, the greatest king. That Israel, Israel ever had. As he's getting old, the Lord spoke to uh, David uh, through a prophet and said, "When you die, one of your descendants will will reign on your throne forever." So Jesus is positioned in the New Testament to be the son of David. The son of David, the ultimate son of David. So that's the message that Paul preaches. If you read the genealogies of, of Matthew, you probably skip those genealogies, they're kind of hard to read. But the first line uh, in Matthew chapter 1, the first book of the New Testament, uh, is uh, that, d- that Jesus was a descendant of David. So, that's his message. Jesus is the descendant of David. And he said, also, he quotes uh, the book of Psalms, where Psalms says that, uh, that, th- that this son of David would not suffer decay when he went into the grave. And then... Of uh, course, as Paul is preaching, he said, well, David is in the tomb and he's suffered decay. When I was in Israel a few years ago, uh, near where they think the, the room of Pentecost was, where the day of Pentecost, you can see David's tomb from there. And I went and visited David's tomb. There is a place where King David, the ancient King David is buried in Jerusalem. So the message that uh, Paul preaches is that David is in the grave and he's decaying, but the son of David, Jesus, who's the son of David, uh, uh, has been raised from the dead. And that's his message. Jesus was born where? We just uh, studied this at Christmas time. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place where David was born. So his message is this. His message is is that David uh, had a son coming that was going to reign on his throne forever. Jesus is that son. Jesus was crucified for your sins. And he's been raised from the dead. Every single message in the book of Acts. Uh, Peter preached it. Paul preached it, everybody that preached in the book of Acts, the the big message was Jesus was raised from the dead, and he was witnessed by many people. Many people saw him, so that's in the sermon. So let's just talk about how this sermon came about, and let's talk about how this whole thing happened. He's preaching this in a place called Pisidian Antioch. Now, what we know is that uh, Paul has his first stop on his missionary journey was on an island, he was on an island, the island of Cyprus. And here's a picture of the island of Cyprus. Now, this is a, a, big, a big island just off the coast of Israel. And this is the first place Paul ever went to preach. And he landed over here at Salamis, a major city. And he traveled the whole length to this is Paphos. This is the capital of the island. Now, this island is about 130 miles long. So that means that if you uh, drove from Delmar to Wilmington, that's about 120, 130 miles. So this, this island is about the size of Delaware. So when he gets to Paphos, Paphos, on his first step, stop of his missionary journey, he preaches there. The governor lives in Paphos. His name is Paulus. Paul, the apostle, preaches, and Paulus, the governor, receives Christ, and he's the first Gentile convert on Paul's missionary journey. And so we see God doing something. God is, 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 is anointing and helping Paul to reach Gentiles. And so Paul is on this island. He's having a great time. He's on the island. Uh, This is, you know, the governor's gotten, found Jesus. That's a wonderful thing. You know, how can you go up from there? The governor of the island saved. You're on an island, and it's a wonderful place. But Paul doesn't want to stay on the island. He leaves Cyprus, and he goes to a place called Perga, uh, goes to what's Asia Minor or Turkey. He travels. He wants to leave. He can't stay on the island because... He has a vision and a passion for people who have not yet heard about Jesus. He cannot stay on this wonderful, isolated, beautiful island. He has this passion to reach people that have not yet heard about Jesus. And this is uh, Paul's, uh, his operation. This is how he thinks. This is what goes on inside of him. He's always concerned about people that don't know Jesus. He's he's just not happy to, to have people that know Jesus. He wants to reach people that don't know Jesus. And by the way, that's one of the great, great heartbeats of Bayshore Community Church. Bayshore Community Church loves everybody in our community, and we want people that don't know Jesus to meet Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. So Karen and I were one day, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, uh, we were at at the beach, and in January it's always nice to think about the beach just for a minute, isn't it? Just kind of close your eyes and think about the beach, you know? Uh, so we were at Fenwick uh, Island State Park, and we were sitting there, and uh, we were in our lawn chairs, and we're looking at the beautiful ocean. And there's, have you ever seen those airplanes that fly uh, with the advertisements pulling the banner? How many of you have ever seen those, those banners? Do you know, So we're sitting there, and we're watching... Uh, you know everything, and looking at the beach, and then one of those airplanes come, and they they 're pulling a banner, and we can see them coming, and they 're pulling the banner. And as they get right to where we are, I think it was an advertisement for uh, Phillips Crab House. And they had some kind of special. So we saw that. But what's interesting about what happened was, was evidently, that was the, the, uh, the, the turning point where the plane turned around. And so it kind of made a U-turn. It turned around, and it flew back toward Ocean City. And I was thinking about that. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the advertisement. and I look down the beach, and there's all these people further down the beach, that never saw that advertisement. So it was just, it came to us, and then it turned around, and then you got thousands and thousands of people that are further down the beach that didn't get to see the advertisement. Now, what, what burdened Paul was, was he was concerned about the people further down the beach that had not heard about Jesus, that did not know about Jesus. So for him it wasn't enough for him to sort of just stay on the island but he had to he had to reach out he had to tell other people about Jesus who he cared about other people and here's what I think happened in Paul I don't think it was anything like that he was he was out of he was wanting to tell people out of guilt or obligation when I first became a christian I went to church and the pastor said, we should evangelize and tell people about Jesus. And I remember hearing that and somehow in my sense of obligation and responsibility and sort of being a kind of a conscientious kind of person, I heard that it's something I needed to do. So what happened to me was sort of out of obligation and guilt, I would be having a good time in high school, enjoying my life. Then I thought, oh no, I need to tell somebody about Jesus. And I would put on my witness hat. And I would try to sell them on Jesus, you know. And it was so unnatural and it was so ineffective. And so, you know, I did that for years and sort of out of obligation. And I don't think that Paul is going to Asia Minor out of obligation. Oh, I need to do this. I should do it. God's going to be mad at me if I don't do this. I think he was so excited about Jesus that he wanted to tell other people about Jesus. I think that's what it was like. And evangelism is not simply telling people about Jesus because you ought to tell people about Jesus. It's evangelism is telling people about Jesus because you love Jesus and you've experienced Jesus and you've experienced his glory and his goodness. And because he's so good to you, you just got to tell somebody else about him. Now, this week, Karen and I were out to eat on our date day. Uh, We had lunch together at this restaurant And I got, you know, what I got, and she got a halibut sandwich with all this spice and stuff on it. It was on a Kaiser roll, and she got, you know, French fries and all that. And she took a bite of that halibut sandwich. And, I mean, her eyes just watered. It was just so good. Her knees almost buckled. It was so good. And she said, you know what she did? Hey! You've got to try this. And so she shoved it across the table to me. And of course, being the wonderful, submissive husband that I, that I am, I ate about half the sandwich, you know, just like taking that in. It was so good. And, and, you know, that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is when you've tasted something good, you want somebody else to taste it as well. Now, we go to this restaurant in Lewis. Uh, just off of 2nd Street called Nectar. We go there probably, you know, every other week. I love Nectar. It's a little restaurant, and they go, it's juice bar and all that, and we go to Nectar. And, uh, and when people ask me about lunch, where to eat, I always say, go to Nectar. And I always say this. you got to get their grilled cheese sandwich. They have the most amazing grilled cheese sandwiches, not in the world, but in the universe. It's three different types of cheese. It comes with tomato soup and always get a little bit of a pasta salad with it. It is so good if you put it on your forehead, your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. It's so good. <laughs> and people tell me, you know, hey, where should we? Ah, uh, eat a nectar. You've got to try the grilled cheese sandwich. I tell people, I'm like a grilled cheese evangelist telling people about nectar's grilled cheese. I've had grilled cheese other places and it's no any good. It's not any good. But this is amazing. So here's what it is. Evangelism is people that have experienced something wonderful, sharing their experience with other people who have not experienced that. So what we want to see happen at Bayshore 2019, we want Jesus to be so real here. We want his love to be here. We want his glory to be here. When we worship the Lord, we want his presence to be here. So you fall so much in love with Jesus that you can't help but tell other people about Jesus. Not out of obligation, not out of guilt, but out of sheer experience that I've experienced Jesus. I got this friend at the tennis club I play at, and he's like, uh, 67, maybe, I think he's like 70 years old, retired guy from the military. And he lost his wife about seven or eight years ago and was very sad. And, and, uh, you know, wonderful guy doesn't, doesn't know Jesus yet, you know, but I've talked to him about Jesus and just love, love him and appreciate him. And, uh, and uh, he, he, he recently, you know, got on one of those dating services on, on the Internet, you know. And he's, like, on there and, he, and he, you know, nothing was happening. And then he, this gal from Annapolis that he, that he, like, met and they had coffee together. And, like, his guy's 70 years old. And he, like, fell in love with her. He's in love with her. Her name is Mary. And we go to the tennis club, we're trying to play tennis, and he's like, talking about Mary, talking about Mary. And we're tired of hearing about Mary, to be honest with you. <laughs> the poor man, all he can talk about is Mary, 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 Mary. I mean, he's just, uh, he's, you know what Mary and I did, where we ate, and what we did, I mean, he's just telling about trips we took talking about Mary, Mary, Mary. And it's this, is, you know, he doesn't get up every morning and say, you know, I'm going to tell four people about Mary today. I'm going to tell people about Mary if it's the last thing I do. It just flows out of his heart because when Paul went to Asia Minor, he didn't go out there or guilt, he didn't go there out of obligation. He went there because he had experienced the most wonderful thing in the world and he wanted other people to know what he had experienced. If you want a greater experience with Jesus this year, so you're so excited about Jesus that you just naturally talk about Jesus. Say a big amen right now. That's what we want to see happen at Bayshore this year. Jesus becoming real. Jesus is becoming fresh in your life, so you tell other people about Jesus, and you talk about Jesus, and you just tell other people about Jesus. And that's, uh, that's what evangelism is, and uh, that's what I want to do. I was, uh, uh, my big thing is I treat people that uh, are in my life that aren't Christians, I treat them like they're Christians already. That's my, that's my mode of operation. I don't pretend they're not Christians. I pretend that they are Christians. And so one of my buddies this week, tennis buddies, we were walking out from playing tennis. He just royally beat me really bad. And we're walking out, but we had such a great workout. I said, man, that was such a great workout. You just beat me to death and we just had such a good time and I said you know what I'm so thankful for today I just talked to him like he would be a Christian I just you know what I'm so thankful for today said I'm so thankful for how the Lord has touched my knee I remember how my knee I couldn't walk and I had this surgery but he said I told him I said listen I prayed for my knee and my knee is just doing better it's just so good it doesn't hurt after I get done playing I'm running around like I used to run around and I tell him I've taken these vitamins and all that but I prayed to Jesus to help my knee and I just like pray Jesus about it, and he's just like going like, right along with it, like he's in church, you know. So listen, evangelism—say it with me. Evangelism, Evangelism is just telling other people what you've experienced. That's all it is. That's all it is. Don't don't be weird. Don't be like hitting them over the head with the Bible. You just this year, you get off your island. We need to all get off our island. Paul Paul was on an island of isolation. You know, all by himself. You know, and It's so easy to get isolated as a Christian. And we need to not be on an isolated mode. But we need to leave our place of isolation and just connect with people that need to know about Jesus. Now, this, when they get to, uh, they leave the island. They go to Perga. Uh, Perga is in, you know, which lower Turkey. And they go there. And something happens at Perga that they didn't expect to happen now let me just say this to you there will always be things that will happen in life that you don't expect this year expect the unexpected sometimes things happen that you didn't expect to happen how many have ever had something that happened to you or happened in your life that you didn't expect just raise your hand hey that's that's all of us hey raise your hands real high everybody that's happened to everybody you have things and I have things happen that we don't expect, and it's, it's how we deal with that, how we learn to deal with that. So what happened that Paul and Barnabas didn't expect? Well, it says at Perga, John, Mark left them, or John left them and went back to Jerusalem. John left them. So John was, it says in the first part of chapter 13, that John was their helper. He had been chosen as their helper. you got Paul, Paul and Barnabas, and then John, whose uh, nickname is Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. John, Mark was their helper. What does the word helper mean? The word helper means, I looked it up in the Greek, and he was their helper. And it means, you know what it literally means? It means someone that rows, someone that helps you row. That's what the Greek word means. So he's like, he's like helping them. He's helping them, taking care of their itinerary, taking care of their luggage, so they can concentrate on preaching the gospel. So what happens is at Perga, John Mark leaves them. He leaves them. And Paul, this is not a positive thing because in chapter 15 of Acts, Paul Paul said he deserted us because uh, Barnabas wanted uh, John Mark to go on the second missionary, and Paul said, no way, no way is he going. So we don't know what happened, but it wasn't a pretty scene. And John Mark left them. And when it says he deserted them, the word desert means he stepped aside. He stepped away from them when he used to stand beside them. And he left them. And so this was not, we don't know why John Mark left. He could have been homesick, wanted to see his mom back in Jerusalem. He may have disagreed with Barnabas, uh, with Paul becoming more the leader of the trip. Uh, He could have disagreed with their emphasis on the the Gentiles. But he left them and he uh, forsook them. And this wasn't John Mark's best moment. This wasn't his best moment. He quit on the first missionary journey. It was a failure. Let me ask you a question here. How many here have ever had any type of failure in your life? Where you've ever failed? Have you had a bad moment? Have you made a bad decision? Have you done something that was poor? Have you, have you stumbled in your faith? Have you, have, you, have you had a point of failure? Everybody has a point of failure, and this is... Not the best moment of John Mark. We see him failing. But God is not done with John Mark. God is not done with John Mark because Mark's going to write one of the Gospels in the New Testament called the Gospel of Mark, which was probably the first Gospel ever written, and God still had plans for John Mark. So I was watching uh, football back in uh, October, and... uh, My backup team is the Ravens. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, but the Green Bay Packers have not given me a lot to cheer for this year. And a lot of people have, you know, comforted me through that. But um, so I was watching the Ravens play, and my sons both love the Ravens and all that. And it was back in October. They were playing the New Orleans Saints, and uh, it was a close game, and it was uh, the fourth quarter, and it was 17 to 24. And with 24 seconds left to go, Joe Flacco, who was healthy at that point, threw a touchdown pass to John Brown in the uh, uh, end zone. He caught the ball, and so now it's 23 to 24. Uh, Jason Tucker has to go out there. Justin Tucker has to go out there and kick the field goal. The game would be tied up. It's going to go into overtime. So I'm sitting there on my couch, eating my popcorn, watching this. Man, what a good game! It is a good game. We're going to go into overtime. Yeah, I am pumped. So Justin Tucker comes out there. Justin Tucker, listen to this. He has the best, the best uh, field goal kicking percentage in the NFL. In NFL, not in the NFL now, in NFL history. He's been in the NFL since 2012. He's cooked, He's for extra points, he's 222 for 222. So I'm sitting there eat my popcorn, 24 seconds to go, 24 seconds to go, it's 23 to 24, Justin Tucker is going to kick the field goal, I'm eating my popcorn, and the announcer, the announcer, he says, Justin Tucker has never missed an extra point in his life, he never missed one in high school, he never missed one in college, and he's never missed one in the NFL, and I thought, boy, I wish he hadn't have said that, So Justin Tucker comes up there, and they snap the ball. 24 seconds left to go. We'll tie the game up at 24-24, and he kicks the ball, and his ball is like my golf shot. It goes up, and then it curls way over there, and he misses it. And here's a face of Justin Tucker after he missed it. Look at that face there. (laughs) How many have ever had a face like that? You know, they were playing the New Orleans Saints, and uh, Drew Brees is the quarterback, and they said the reason he missed it, or well, there was a bad breeze in the stadium. But anyhow, <laughs> it's a really bad joke. But anyhow, he missed it. And I think about, you know, I think about somebody like him missing a field goal. And I think about how, how every single person here has had a, had a moment like that. How many have had a moment like that where you've missed it? you failed Maybe you failed morally. Maybe you failed, you made a bad decision in business and it cost your company thousands of dollars. Maybe you made a bad decision in a relationship and it costs the relationship. Maybe you've done something, but you have a moment, you have a place, you 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 have a perga, you have a place where you're like John Mark, your worst moment, and you fail. But here's what I know about the God we serve. We serve a God that when we have failed, he doesn't kick us off the team. Justin Tucker was not kissed, kicked off the team. He was kept on the team, and God uh, is going to surely bless the Ravens today. Can you say a big amen? That's just a little extra I threw in there for you. But listen, uh, I want you to say this When My failure is not the end of my story. Say it with me again. My failure is not the end of my story. John Mark gets on a boat and he sails in defeat to Jerusalem for whatever reason but that wasn't the end of his story. What happened later is he went to Rome and he hung out with the apostle Peter and he listened to all of Peter's messages and Peter mentored him and he wrote down the the account of Jesus from the mouth of Peter. We have I could show you why we know that is true. And we have all of these wonderful things about John Mark later in the New Testament where he was in jail with Paul. Later, he and Paul were reunited, and he was in jail with Paul. And in Paul's last letter he wrote, 2 Timothy, Paul is facing death by Nero, and he says, the la- one of the last things he ever says, Paul says, send for John Mark, he's very valuable for me in ministry. So his failure was not the end of his story. Now, the last thing I want to say today is, is what, what was it like from Paul's perspective? Paul, is, Paul and Barnabas, they're uh, going into the uh, highlands of, of uh, Asia Minor, which is the whole area was called Galatia, and that's where we get the letter of Galatia from, Galatians from the New Testament, is that Paul writing to these people. He went into the highlands, and he was going to travel up a Roman road, the Via Sebaste, which was a road that was uh, infested, infested with robbers. It was very dangerous. And he went to this city uh, called Pisidian Antioch. And the reason it's called Pisidian Antioch, there's a lot of Antiochs in the New Testament. And Pisidian Antioch was a major city. And and he preached there. And and, 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 he was very effective there. He was very effective there. John Mark left him and he was abandoned. But let me tell you something. When somebody leaves you, there's somebody that never leaves you. When maybe, you know, I've talked to people that, you know, just recently that that had a spouse leave them. And, and, you know, what I want to say to them and what I do say to them, when somebody leaves you and it's very, very painful, there's somebody that will never leave you. The Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. Say it with me. He will never leave us or forsake us. And his presence is constant. And so John Mark left. So how's Paul going to do? How's Barnabas going to do? So how's he going to do? Is he going to make it? He gets to Pisidian now and he preaches. And as he preaches the word, as he preaches the word, many Gentiles believe, many Jews believe. And it says "It's the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came to hear Paul. Because God was still with him, even though John Mark left him. God was still with him, even though John Mark left left him. I remember when I was in Bible college, the church I went to, Liberty Church, Pensacola, Florida, wonderful church, about 1,500, 2,000 people, wonderful church. Loved the church. It's a great church. And our pastor, Ken Summerall, used to talk about the early days of Liberty Church when, when they were going through some hard times and controversy. And at one point, they had 200 people and 100 people left them. 100 people left the church. And so, Brother Ken said that one Sunday, a lady came up to him and she said, Brother Ken, Brother Ken, is everybody going to leave? And his response was, well, no, I talked to God this morning. He said He was going to stay. Doesn't matter who leaves you. God's going to stay. Say it with me. Doesn't matter who leaves you. God's going to stay. God blessed him and helped him, strengthened him. I, uh, I think sometimes... You know, you have something changes, you have a, f- a friend or you have a, uh, you know, people go through divorce or they, something happen and it happens in a business, a key person you're depending on, they leave or whatever. And you have, to, you have to look at this text, you have to see what it teaches. It teaches that although there was a change, uh, Paul and Barnabas were immensely successful and they were not alone. They were not alone. And what I want to say to you on this first Sunday of January 2019, you're not alone. God's with you. I heard about uh, Dallas Willard who wrote a great book. Dallas Willard's written a number of great books, very deep books, you know, good, good author. Uh, and Dallas Willard, uh, who lost his mother when he was a young boy, and one of his books wrote about a little boy that his mother died when he was very young and how that little boy used to go into his father's room at night because he got very lonely and very scared at night. And that little boy would go into his father's bedroom and say, Daddy, can I get in bed with you? And the father, of course, would say, Yes, son, you can get in bed with me. And then the little boy would say to his father, Father, is your face facing me? Is your face facing me? Because it wasn't enough that the little boy was in the father's bed. He needed the father to turn so his face was facing him. And the father would say, yes, son, my face is facing you. And Dallas Willard said, when the little boy heard that, he could always go to sleep. What I want you to know is it doesn't matter who stepped out, who's left, what's changed. Your father's face is facing you. And you're not alone. Paul went to Pisidian Antioch. Barnabas, they went there. And there wasn't the John Mark they had depended on. He wasn't there anymore. But they stood up in that synagogue and they preached. And the next Sunday, almost the whole city came. Their success was not dependent on John Mark. Their success was dependent on the Lord who was with them. Say this with me. Lift up your hands and say this with me. My success in 2019... Is not who is not with me, but it's with who is with me. And say this to me, I I thank you, Lord, that you're with me in 2019. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful word that teaches us, helps us to grow. We thank you, Jesus, for the passion that's coming into our church in 2019. Authentic evangelism, telling people about Jesus is because we've tasted of how good Jesus is this year. We ask you to bless us, and Lord, let us sense your presence wherever we go, and we thank you for being with us. We bless you, and we thank you for a good week ahead. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen and amen.